Hi, before we get started on today's show, I wanted to share with you an opportunity to get face-to-face with a number of the most popular run-as guests, including Jeffrey Snover, Mark Manassi, and Paul Therott at the IT Edge Intersection Conference, October 25th to 28th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. At the conference, you'll get to see folks like Mark Manassi, who will be doing his usual amazing job of helping you understand what Microsoft is up to with his new session on Server 2016, talking about what's awesome, what's irritating, what's improved, and what's expensive. Mark's been writing Mastering Windows Servers books now for over 20 years, and he's got some great advice that can help you get put to work immediately. Register today at itedgeintersection.com. We'll see you there. From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 496, Small Business Server and Windows 10 with guest Susan Bradley. Recorded Tuesday, September 13th, 2016. Run As Radio is produced each week by Plop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is none other than Susan Bradley, who has been patching since before Code Red and Nimda, and remembers exactly where she was when the sequel Slammer hit. She writes the Patch Watch column for Brian Levison's Windows Secrets and is one of the authors of the Windows Server 2008 Security Resource Kit and the Small Business Server 2008 Unleashed. Welcome back. Thank you. And you can add to that resume. I'll actually be at IT Dev Connections this year. Nice. Going to be talking about Windows 10 and Windows Server 2016 patching, as a matter of fact. Awesome. And also doing something at Ignite as well. Yes. Uh, just a tiny little session on ransomware. I wish it was longer. I'm going to have to speak really, really fast because they only gave me about 20 minutes. So. Oh, those little short ones. Well, we're going to be doing yes. shows at uh, at Ignite. Although by the time this show comes out, I think Ignite will already be over. So what are you going to do? So we'll already know everything we know need to know about Server 2016 and all the other new things I'll be announcing then. So. We just pretend we already know that. <laughs> we, we should assume, but I mean, the reality is I've been doing shows around 2016, but it's just so vast. I don't know that we can even, you know, cover it all. It's crazy. Yes. And a still small business server being neglected, but do you have a few in your life these days? I do. Uh, I have essential servers, small business servers. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We still have a lot of customers out there. Yeah. Uh, we have a few, not many. Of all the way back to speaking of that Small Business Server 2008 book that I wrote, mm-hmm. there are some Small Business Server 2008 clients that need to turn the lights off oh, and turn yeah. that computer off because it's getting, so it's, it's showcasing that putting new stuff with old stuff is, is not only dangerous, but it's hazardous to your health <laughs> because creates pain. 
creates pain. You're, you're banging your head against the wall. Well, I got to think that Windows 10 is having an impact because it, especially in the small business server space or the small business space in general, Win 10 is a great product for them. It's a little more challenging in the enterprise, but in SMB, it's awesome. Well, yes and no. <laughs> so here's, here's, the, here's the yes and no. It was, especially when dealing with um, anybody remoting into small business over 2008, it was really great up mm-hmm. until the 1607 release, the anniversary update. Oh, really? And something broke in that it's a RDP interaction going right. between the workstation and the server. And in the past, when we had issues with, with RDP misconfigurations going back and forth between a workstation and a server, we just uninstalled the update the, the specific RDP update and go on and, and with our lives and, and be fine. Well, obviously in Windows 10 with a cumulative update, you can't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. It's all one big bundle. You take it all, you yeah. take none of it. So we've got, these are, these are unmanaged machines on the consumer side. So the person is outside of the office. Right. They're remoting into the small business over 2008. And they used to use something called remote web workplace, now called remote web access to a web page that would remote into the workstation and from there you could you could remote into whatever workstation inside the office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, with the 1607 update and interacting with SPS 2008, it's now broken. So what we're telling people as a workaround for now is use something, bypass that by using the RDP, RDP gateway technique. Okay. So what is the RDP gateway technique? So you launch on your workstation, launch RDP. Right. And there's a little options button that you may not have ever opened up. And click on there, and on the last tab, there's an advanced tab, and where it says connect from anywhere, click on settings, and there's a little section called use these RD gateway server settings. Well, if you put in the old RWW URL, whatever that was for your office, whatever you told people, stick it in there, and put in the login method, which is usually you, you just say, allow me to select later or, you know, authentication. Click there, and it'll pop up wanting a username and a password. So you put in the domain slash username, put in the password, and without having to go through the RWW website, you can bypass it and just use this RDP. So as long as you're already set up and running and you had all that configuration information, you should be able to get back up and going again. Yes. Now, that's the good news. Right. That's the bypass. Go around it. The bad news is, is officially this kicks the need for an RD, RDS cow. Oh. Which, as a small business, you may not have because we never needed one before because we had this loophole kind of licensing thing where it said as long as you went through that website, you didn't need an RD cow. Right. Now, and now suddenly you do. Because right now you're bypassing that whole... So now we have the licensing headache to deal with because officially we need an RD cow that really doesn't go anywhere... But to be legal in this situation, we need we need that cal. But these are RDS cals for effectively server two thousand eight. Yeah, which you <laughs> can't they get sell anymore. Them? So again, get that get that you know ask for now because you're going like what Wait. what? <laughs> but for now, we're telling people we're trying to work with a product group to get some kind of better solution. Right. It, I, I've got to think it was an unintentional break. Well, and I mean, it just showcases that there's a lot of moving parts in Windows. Sure. And there's a rule. You're, we're breaking the rule that I always set, uh, in sm- even in small business, and the enterprise gets it too. Keep the children on the playground about the same age. Right. Yeah. Because if they start, you've got a really old operating system on that server and a really new operating system on the desktop. Yeah. And you've got problems. Yeah, seven, eight years of time span. So you want to keep the kids, you know, otherwise they get into fights on the on the playground <laughs> and you get bloody noses. 
they always get into fights one way or the other. It's just now one of the kids yes. is really big. Yes. <laughs> uh, is it better in the later versions? I mean, 2008 is eight years old. 2008 is eight, yes. And that's the one where kind of, you've got to kind of, you know, remember how old it is and maybe it's time to like rethink how you want to set up the, the network. There's a lot of cloud solutions out there these days. Um, there's a lot of Office 365, so maybe what you're doing isn't the way to go. So kind of use it as the flag to say, okay, put it to sleep because it's been a good life. And the SBS 2008 isn't even, it's past end of life now, right? Like there's no support for it. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, they'll still, they still do, um, security updates because obviously the, the base parts are still, uh, supporting extended life, but it's not under, yeah, it, it's not in the key five years where it's going to be supported and actively supported and all that. But under the hood, it's 2008 R2, and that has the extended support? Uh, SVS 2011 is our next one up. It's yeah. doing a little bit better. So still the RWW works just fine. Um, the only thing that we say, forget on that. So S- the two SBSs in particular, uh, well, actually all of the essentials uh, and small business had this thing where they always had this this nifty way to connect workstations into the server. You put in this URL slash connect and you could, it did all the necessary little doodads and scripts and things to connect a workstation to a server. Well, on SVS 2011, there's a little supported operating system script inside. And think about it, every single time Windows 10 upgrades to the next build, you're constantly going to be trying to upgrade that little script inside. Sure. So we're saying, Forget that. Just don't even try it. The only thing that that script really does is um, move. Does the move user profile, which doesn't work on Windows 10 anyway. So just do the old-fashioned manual. Join it to the domain. Everything else after that works just fine. That's not too bad. If you have a Windows 10 client outside of the SPS, again, just uh, use RWW works fine. Now, personally, I am of the opinion that, especially with browsers and things these days. I still like the bypassing the RDP and use the RDP cal right. trick. So I would say, you know, just buy the RD cals, you know, put them on SA so you have the downgrade rights and your life will be so much easier because there's been a couple of times with browser updates that that, that RWW has been broken, you know, in, they didn't mean to, but they just accidentally did it, and we had to fix things back up again or reset IE. Mm-hmm. And IE's getting older and toothier and all that kind of stuff. So I just say, you know, for now, if you're still on SPS 2011, and again, you should kind of go, hmm, where are we going next? Buy those RDCALs and start thinking about where you're going to go next because next year, and this impacts not only SPS 2011, but a lot of other people, with SS 3.2, that old warhorse gets retired out next year. What is this? Wasus. Sus. You S- know, you know, Wasus Windows Software oh, Update the, Services. Yes, the update services. The old, the old Wasus that that we installed on Windows Server 2008 R2. You remember the old way where you yeah. actually got a download and it wasn't a roll. Remember that old way? Yep. So it was Sus two, then it was Wasus three. Yeah. And so Wasus three doesn't officially support the feature updates. So it can't handle getting you from 1551 to 1607. It can handle the security updates. So the day-to-day patching of a Windows 10 is still supported by that old WSS 3.2, but only until next year. 
So you need to be on at least, and especially with 2016 coming out the door, I would say, you know, start planning on your, your upgrades to 2016 and putting them with us on that guy because it's going to be better prepared to handle all of those 10 patching. Because have you, do you know about all the lovely things you have to do to a 2012 or a 2012 R2 to get it to work with a 10 patching system? <laughs> kind of a pain in the you know what. Yeah. It's- There's a patch. And then there's an SSL editing you have to do yeah. and all this other stuff. You know, you have to jump up and down and, you know, count to three and touch your nose three times and all this kind of stuff. So I would say, you know, use this time to kind of put band-aids on things and plan on server 2016 to be your WSS platform because it's going to have everything it needs to do your 10 patching. See, I've always thought that they're just encouraging us to go to Intune. You can do that too. Yeah. Yeah, that would be another way. Um, I would suggest, though, having some kind of patching platform because um, I'll be honest with you, with, with the 1607, if you are not on the current branch for business, which means you're delaying out that current branch stuff, you're getting, if you've got a client on the 1607 current branch, you're getting updates about once a week. Right. Because when they, when they release out a big feature update, there's obviously bugs and things that come out. Yep. You know, the one that was just recently, just today, they're fixing the issue where if you plug a Kindle into your, to your Windows 10, it won't cause a blue screen anymore. That's nice. So there's little things that pop up that they don't catch in the Insider preview. And so if you're on that current branch, boy, you better be, you know, used to rebooting because you're going to be doing it at least once a week for the first month. Right. As they push out things to fix things. And then after that, it slows down to the normal once a month. Which is why I say you want to be on that professional skew and you want to push out the patching out to that current branch for business so that, you know, you wait a little bit. You don't get the 1607 right away. Right. Because we have about four months plus a little uh, extra time, about uh, two months. It's a four months at least and then uh, a two months grace after that. And this is an opportunity for you to upgrade to the new uh, update services rather than, I mean, what's the downside of just going to Intune and paying them a monthly fee for this? I mean, that's the other thing, too. I mean, I'm still, because I have a lot of paranoid people in the firm, I'm still very much a premise Everything's on-prem. Prem, prem, prem. Yeah, so I'm still on-prem. But if you've got a, a, you know, again, take the time now to take stock of your firm, where it's moving to, right. if you've got a lot of moving parts and people are out in the field and, and you don't have on-prem, yeah, absolutely look at Intune and see what it's got. Because, I mean, you've got all the tools and things uh, in Intune and more so, you know, than you do now uh, on the on-prem stuff. Oh, for sure. And, and of course, again, for anybody who's just trying to keep going with small business server and still running their own exchange and, and running all this infrastructure, the, the cloud's an awfully nice place. It just doesn't seem to be an option for a bunch of folks. And I think we're all holding out, hoping there's going to be a new SBS 2016, aren't we? Are we? Well, and, you know, the, the day of exchange being on-prem, that boat has sailed a long time ago. Yes. So if you're waiting for an SBS 2016, ain't going to be there. Not there that, is not an happening. essential role on them. So that essentials, everything but exchange. So, you know, the, the console, the ability to back up the workstations, the, um, easy active directory setup, the little wizards inside, that's still there. Right. It just doesn't have the exchange server because they go, Hey guys, exchange. Well, just look the other day. They're getting rid of the updates to the spam filters. Right. So all of your on-premise exchange spam filters 
And especially these days with ransomware mm-hmm. and all the things that are trying to get us, do you really want to have be on a platform that is no longer going to get those updates? I mean, all of the research, all of this cool stuff they're putting is all in that exchange. And you can, you know, do archiving and you can bump up to different levels. So, I mean, it's kind of... I'm sure there's listeners out there right now that are the same boat as I am. I have a group of partners in my firm that are a little bit like Hillary Clinton where they have to have the mail server right here and they don't want anybody else to touch it. Right. But there's going to be a day that I'm going to go to them and say, hey, guys, it's just not affordable. We can't do it. Um, for me to take control of it and do everything I'm doing now, it's just not feasible. Well, and even if you don't want to move your exchange itself off-prem and not into the cloud, you can use Exchange Online Advanced Threat Protection yes. for your on- and let them do the spam filtering for you. I mean, that'll just yes. save you bandwidth. Don't don't fight it at your point of presence. Let the cloud fight it for you and only get your real mail in. Well, that's actually, that's one of the, speaking of ransomware, that's actually one of the things that we put and tell everyone, get some kind of email hygiene doesn't have to be that exchange online protection. It can be some other third party. There's lots of uh, vendors out there, reflection exchange vendor. The mail routes and postinis of the world. Yeah, I mean, pick one, but have something in front of your exchange server. Do not go. And and I even have it set so my exchange server and the, and the cloud is the same way too. You can set it so that it only answers to certain things. It's not open to the world. Sure. So that those attackers are going after your that big thing out there with the target on the bullseye on it. Yeah. And they're getting filtered before it comes into you. Yeah. you. Uh, for me, it was just a bandwidth problem. You know, I, I own guh.com, G-U-H.com. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've had that domain since the 90s, right? It gets 5 million spam a month. I yeah. basically have a portable DDoS attack just by changing my MX record. I'll, I'll take on anybody you want just because it's so much bandwidth. And so having that proxy out there to, to get rid of 99.99% of that, there's very little actually used in that domain. Uh, you know, it's, it's essential. Hey, Susan, give me one moment here to pay the bills because Run As Radio is brought to you by UpGuard. In the aftermath of data breaches, the public is often told we couldn't have seen it coming. But in a lot of cases, that's just not true. Over 80% of breaches have their roots in misconfiguration, whether it be a firewall rule, server setting, open port, or third-party service. UpGuard is the premier system of record for IT configurations, no matter the platform, pinpointing anomalies and surfacing unauthorized changes in critical systems around the world. See how it works and get a live, customized demo at upguard.com slash runasradio. All right. Beyond small business server, I mean, the one that replaced it was Essentials, but there hasn't been a new Essentials in a long time, too. No, because obviously it's waiting for Server 2016 to come out. We currently have Essentials 2012 R2, and unfortunately, when uh, and it's the funniest thing, too, because Essentials 2011 and 2012 actually worked just fine with Windows 10. Um, 2012 R2, when they built it, um, like many things in Microsoft, they built it with certain assumptions. And then and then Windows 10 came out and they went, whoops, we didn't think about that. Ah, interesting. So originally they did, uh, there's a connector software. that uh, When you deploy the server, the 2012 R2, and you install that Essentials role, it puts um, a certain code on the system so that when you go around to the different workstations to connect them to do a backup, mm-hmm. and the reason why I do workstation backup these days is twofold. Number one, ransomware, because I want to make sure I have an easy way to get the workstations back. I don't, I'm not big enough to do MDOP and to do, you know, deployments. And we have some custom desktops that I need to get them back exactly the way they are. 
So you just you just want to be able to wipe them and rebuild them. Right. I don't want to rebuild. I want to get them back exactly the way they were right before the infection. Right. So that's why I want workstation backup. And it does a wonderful, easy way. It backs them up daily uh, or several times a day. And then it has an easy way where, uh, especially in the 2012R2, you can even do it with a pixie boot. Nice. You don't even need the flash drive anymore. So you just point it to the server and off it goes and it rebuilds. The second reason why I want a workstation backup is because just the reality of SSD drives. We have SSD drives on all the workstations in the office and SSD drives have this nasty habit of suddenly they go poof and they don't warn you the greatest in the world before they go poof. And then you go, shoot. (laughs) You know, the the high-end ones have smart, but just because you have instrumentation smart doesn't mean it doesn't just say, hey, okay, I'm done. Thanks for playing. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of, of it's just the nature of way SSDs work. They don't fail very gracefully. You can't smell them like you smell a spinning hard drive (laughs) and go, "Eh, that guy's getting a little stinky. I think it's time. Yeah, so so those two major reasons is why I want a workstation backup. Sure. So I can quickly get those desktops back the way they were. So that's why I have I actually have in my office uh the Storage Server Essentials twenty twelve R two, hopefully I've gotten that name right, uh, which is a OEM version by Secus. Um and I think they're they've got some other vendors thinking about looking at the twenty sixteen code, but basically it's a little OEM product that's supposed to be nothing but a workstation backup, and it also can do the remote web access, the remote access into the firm. So what I do is I set it up, um, and and again, originally it had a certain code on the box where the Windows 10 machines would install it, and they were all happy until they got a feature update with the 1.5.1.1, and... 10 went, ooh, I don't recognize you. I don't think you're, you're nice code. So I'm going to, to remove you and not put you back. Wow. And you're like, what do you mean you just deleted your own code? Obviously, you guys don't talk to each other up there in Redmond. So, <laughs> oh, I, I got to think it was tough on, uh, the, the Seekus too. Yes. Cause I mean, they're blamed for something that wasn't really their fault. Right. It was all, it was, you know, so long story short, we finally got the the um, issue resolved. It's in the July update roll-up, which, by the way, for some unknown reason, got re-offered up today. I don't know why. Nice. But for those of you patching, you'll see that <laughs> July update roll-up offered up again. Don't know why. Um, Microsoft must have some reason somewhere for really releasing it again. But anyway, so if you install that, and then you go around and you uninstall the old connector from your Windows 10s, that are inside the system. Mm-hmm. Then you go back and you reinstall the connector, get the new code on the box, basically, and then go up to 1607, then you'll be fine. And if you've read out in the news, they're actually kind of dribbling out the 1607 update. Um, they're obviously taking this time to kind of make sure everything's okay, fixing the things like the Kindle, um, black screen, blue screen of death right. issue. Um, so they say it's going to take all the way probably until November to get 1607 out. Wow. So, I mean, you can go demand it. It will give it to yes, you if you, you ask for it. Yep. But it's not going to just show up. So we're, what is your ideal configuration now? If you get a chance to start from scratch with a small business server, do you still use 2012 R2 Essentials? If you're, like, if you're, you're asking me right now today? Yeah. Which is a terrible time, right? Because we're recording this before Ignite, and it's going to come out after Ignite. So I think I'm getting you to protect the, predict the future. Yes, pretend we're we're after like in October. Yes. So assume we're in October. I'd say, yeah, you need to. And you know how they announce it 
And then it takes a while to get into the, the product SKUs and it takes a while to get onto the servers. I would say if you can wait a little bit more, probably to like till November because the time it gets into the, you know, the Dells and the HPs and things like that. And yeah, take that, look at that 2016 and look at Office 365 and look at, you know, look at Intune as well. Look at how you set up your firm and there's a lot more offerings these days from the online then versus the premise. It's just the reality. And, you know, you can fight it or you can step back and say, wait a sec, what's best for my firm? How are we going? And let's look at how these services are going. Microsoft is not the only one doing subscription services. It's the reality of technology. Sure. So, you you know, you're going to fight it only so long. So look at it from the reality of, of where we're at in the world that everybody is wanting to go subscription. I am waiting for the day that my, uh, we're a CPA firm on the day job. Sure. And I am literally waiting for the day that my tax vendor says, hey, we're no longer going to do the premise version. We're going to do cloud only. Yeah. So then it's like, well, then why do I need a server in the first, you know, if, if I don't need a server to save this stuff because all of my vendors are saying we're saving it up there for you, then why do I need a server locally? So, yeah. you know, you start go, wait a sec, do I really need to do it the way we did it for 20 years if the way we're doing it for 20 years is now changing? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Now, there has been a server 2016 essentials in technical preview. Have you spent yes. much time with that? Mm-hmm. It's, if you're used to the 2012 R2, it's very, very similar. Really? Yeah. Because I got to think it's a more cloud savvy version. 2012 was very early days for Office 365. 2016, they've got a lot more done. They have the automatic hook into Office 365. So right. all you have to do is go to that, that server console and it does the automatic synchronization. Mm -hmm. It still is a little bit, I'd say, one foot on premise because it's got that, that client backup. Right. So it still has that same, assuming that there's going to be workstations locally. It's got the same remote web workplace. So in case you have people that are elsewhere and they need to remote in, it still has that same offering as well. Right. You can also set it up in Azure, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yep. Because it's it's not just the SKU, it's the role. Yeah. So go up in Azure and you can set up that Essentials role up there as well. Well, and I mean, there's always going to be a need for some on-premise infrastructure. I mean, either you're worried about your internet connection, so you want enough stuff on-prem for people to keep working, even if they can't get to their mail. But at the least, it's you're always going to have workstations that need some backup. You need some way to authenticate that's efficient. Like, we're never going to be completely rid of some on-prem right. infrastructure. And we're still in that awkward stage where, I mean, I still have quite a few on-premise platforms that... You know, yeah, there's, I can see them working on the cloud, but the cloud isn't quite the same. Yes. QuickBooks comes to mind. Yeah. Where, you know, the QuickBooks online is, yeah, it's getting better, but it's still not 100% as good as the premise version. It's also a different product, really. Yes. What happens when you spend time in the cloud is you you change, you you morph, you become a different creature. So right, uh, and and you may or may not like that, but it's the you know that early promise of don't worry, it'll work exactly the same way in the cloud. That's a lie. Yeah, it's just going to be different. And not to mention, I mean, there's going to be times where you're going, you're out and about, and you're like, wait a sec, I don't need to have a full desktop. All I need is to have. I mean, these days, have you ever talked to a 21 year old or 20 year old, and Look how much they do from just a phone. Yes. 
and they don't even need a laptop anymore. Yeah, I mean, but it depends on the kind of work they're doing, right? I deal with a guy who has a bunch of CAD users, and, and so they've got 20-year-old CAD users. Well, those guys have workstations and multiple video cards. and yeah. Like, it still exists, but it is, I think, for your run-of-the-mill communicator, just basic mail and, and messaging and so forth, yeah, you can get away without a machine. But there's an awful lot of work still depending on desktops and laptops. True. So it's it's an interesting balance. And, it, you know, I, I'm i with you that there's got to be folks who are looking at their office and saying, so do we still need the office? Mm-hmm. But if I have yeah. an organization that's committed to an office that has inside workers, yeah, I want my mail in the cloud just because the same reason I don't make my own electricity, I don't need to run a mail server anymore. <laughs> and SharePoint is simply better in the cloud. There's no two ways about that. Everything you wanted about dealing with information like that and actually it being reliable and scale and so forth, it's just better done by them. The patching of SharePoint alone makes you, gives me shivers. And oh, it's, it's like you look at the instructions, you're like, no, that yeah. shouldn't be done in an on-premise situation yeah. anymore. That should be done by them. Yeah. You know, let them suffer that pain. But yes. the, the basic file storage, I kind of want a local file store. It doesn't matter how hard we try to be in the cloud all the time with that stuff. I mean, I definitely want a synced copy in the cloud so we, we have our DR and things like that. But there's a certain number of files that I want in the building. And, mm-hmm. and for that means I'm always going to have some point of central connection and uh, and some sense of security around that. Exactly. So I, I just don't know what this is ultimately going to look like. I mean, it's really interesting that it's a third party now uh, that's really doing that storage server essentials. You know, I don't know why Microsoft would have seeded that market like that. Well, part of it, they, they did it because they needed the OEM marketplace to, right. to bring the price down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So some of it is is a price feature. Um, they're going after the Linux NAS boxes. Yes. So because it's in that NAS format and it's in that NAS marketplace, they have to make sure it's an OEM, certain price points, certain kinds of drives, things like that. Right. Remember the old home server? Like there's something about storage server mm-hmm. essentials. I look at it and go, that's the old home server. That's exa- Yep. I that's miss what it. it. Is. But that, you know, those were great dedicated products. And it's the way that that kind of customer wants to buy as well. What can I buy that simply I'm going to put it in and it's going to work? And that's why, I mean, I'm seeing out in even the small business marketplace that most of the consultants these days are doing the full server. Mm-hmm. They're doing like um, normal server 2012 R2, soon to be 2016, for that main server. Um, most of them that I'm seeing are doing Hyper-V. Yep. So they can do the, the Hyper-V parent and then the two instances down below. And then they're using that, as you say, the old home server, which is basically what the code is on that Secus box to do the workstation backup. Nice. And then they start smattering in a few cloud servers. I mean, obviously Office 365, yep. but like the Azure backup service is pretty compelling. As long as you're living in mm-hmm. Hyper-V images, they can be synced in the cloud, even if it's just a backup strategy, much less a, an actual remote operations option. It can even be, I literally was doing it just the other day, and again, as a proof of concept for ransomware, uh, literally doing it on my workstation, my, my lab, home laptop. Because I want to make sure that as there were backup, even in a standalone non-domain could do, um, to do the versioning. Right. Because one of the things you want to do in ransomware is you want to make sure you have ver- cloud versioning. Because if you don't, if you have just a sync, like a consumer OneDrive. Yes. That's the killer 
because you're going to be syncing up your encrypted files. So you're just propagating it up there. Yes. So the thing with Azure Backup, if if you are familiar with plain old Windows Server Backup yep. and how it does versioning and how it will t- you know store 47 trillion years worth of backups if you had that many years yeah. uh, or that big of size, that's exactly what Azure Backup is. Granted, right. I think they, I forget what they limit it to. They don't give you 47 trillion years worth of backups, but it gives you quite a bit of versioning, and it will even you can set it up for weekly monthly, quarterly, annual. So if you want to do the old grandfather-father technique of multiple versions, sure, it's all there. And how frequently can you keep that backup up to date? Uh, I think it was... I think they, they recommended not doing it hourly because if you think about it, you're, you're, you know, especially if you do a lot of, of file saving on your local drive and you're right. going to be saving just that user profile up there. They recommended not doing it every hour. You could if you had a big enough pipe. Right. But for normal pipe, I think they said like every four hours. So worst case scenario, you'd lose like, you know, four hours worth of stuff. Half a day's worth of work, right? Which ain't, which ain't bad in ransomware. Yeah. I mean, you know, compared to everything gone and you're now trying to pay the ransom to get it back. Yeah. So yeah, every, every twice a day is pretty good. And in the end, it is just sending deltas. Yeah. So they're not, it's not a huge amount of space, but, uh, but it's important. Wow. Um, and then this half hour disappeared because I just sort of got my bearings now for the state of small <laughs> business and essentials with Win 10. So I'm happy. I'm like, we a lot of directions we could go in from here. Do I want, uh, Win 10 Pro? Yes. Or is there, is there, you really do want the Pro version? Even if you're a consumer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, Microsoft, if you want to not reboot every week, right? Because that's the problem you get if you're on the current branch. You're a little bit of a beta tester because, as much as they test things in those insider previews, there's just certain things that don't scale or they just don't get to some of the corner case weird stuff, you know. And and I'm sorry to say this, Microsoft, but if you are on that that one six zero seven the CB, you are rebooting once a week, right? That's just and reality. that's probably not what you want to be doing is rebooting once a week because those updates still kick a reboot. Yep. So I would say get on the pro, even if you're a consumer and you're, you know, you're a small business and you're, you're not even in a domain if you're just peer to peer, get on the pro because then you can use the local group policy to push out and be on the current branch for business. Fantastic. Which is, you know, you push it off. So you'd still be on the 1511 and you'd let all those people on the current branch be a little bit of a beta tester. And then probably by November, December, you'd say, yeah, okay, right. now it's good. And let all those apps that have dependencies on this that are going to break, let that break for other people. Exactly. And they'll all be fixed by the time you move. Yep. One more thing. One other thing that just recently uh, popped in my mind, mm-hmm. just recently occurred, is um, Microsoft announced that they're going to do uh, Windows Enterprise uh, a subscription model. Yeah. Um, so the E3, and not to be confused with the Office 365 E3, so now we've got additional things called the same thing. Yeah. But there's an E3 and an E5 Windows uh, Enterprise. So if you want to get even more control, like if you want to make sure you're, you're in a domain and, and get control of turning off Candy Crush and all those consumer apps and things like that, some of those group policies, they keep whittling away and taking away, even in the pro skew. 
So there, um, last I saw, it was not yet on the price list. I think it's going to be coming out next month. And I think it was as low as $7 a month, I think. Ah, that's pretty exciting. That. And there's some good things in Enterprise. Yeah, they're really starting to push the Enterprise skew even down to the small businesses. Yeah, and there's lots of ways to, uh, there it is, right there, 7 bucks a month for Windows 10 Enterprise E3. So that uh, that's because we've been looking at these, especially on the security side, some great features only available in the Enterprise Edition. Only available in the Enterprise, I know. It was like, wait, wait, that sounds so good, but... <laughs> I'm like, why? at what point should any security feature be anywhere other than everywhere? Don't you want yeah. everybody protected? Well, especially some of those device guard, yeah. um, you know, some of those things that are perfect for ransomware, yes. you only get them in the enterprise queue. Yeah, it just seems wrong. I understand it if it's a feature that needs care and feeding, right? But it, that it needs somebody on the back end to keep it healthy and useful. But if it's self-sustaining stuff that patched itself, it should be in every version of Windows. Right. Well, we're we're going from here to Ignite, Susan. We'll go bang the drum. Maybe we can talk them into okay. it. But by the time the show comes out, the problem will be resolved. Sounds good. Hey, so fun to talk to you, as always. Thanks for coming back and chatting with me. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. <laughs> <laughs>